Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founder of Green Pastures Landscape Company, David Shore. It's always nice to speak to founders who embody the reality of managing a company, and that's exactly what David has brought to his venture. Starting his landscaping company straight out of college, David has made a name for his company by servicing Middle Tennessee since 1992. Over the course of 20 years, David has seen his project grow on the mantra of creating beautiful properties through extraordinary service. Of course, challenges are inevitable for a company that grew in scope and reputation as well as David's. A catastrophic flood in 2010 that spilled right into David's facility could have been the end of his story, but David's entrepreneurial nature shone through. Choosing to rebuild what he could, David exemplifies the perseverance of a true founder. Green Pastures Landscaping Company is growing like crazy, and we are excited to have David on the podcast. So, David, thank you so much for being here, my man. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Yes, sir. Well, let's start where we always start. I'm curious, how in the world did you get into this, this business? You know, like a lot of guys and ladies, you know, I, I stumbled in it. And I went, uh, moved out here in 1988 to go to Belmont, uh, ran up a tab, ran out of money. And uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, what about these guys that mow grass? I mean, that's, that's got to be pretty easy, right? And uh, he said, don't worry about it. I know what to do. And we'll get this thing started and, and we'll make a ton of money. And we got into it six months, man. And he bailed oh. and he stuck with the landscape company that I knew nothing about. And, uh, you know, it was just a funny deal. I, I, I had no intention of doing this the rest of my life. I played music and this was just going to be kind of my part-time gig while I figured out my life. Right. You know, I'm 20 years old and, oh yeah, and, uh, just got married. And, and so, had a BW bus man and, and bought a, a push mower and started cutting section eight property, you know, just uh, anything I could find that was, that was kind of on a repeat and uh, man through a very long period of time, I just, I fell in love with the business. I fell in love with uh, the green industry, began to learn about that. Um, and just kind of funny, just one of those things is I, the longer I did it, the more I enjoyed it. And the company morphed uh, to where we were kind of over that period of time to where we were, you know, $10 million company and 150 employees. And uh, I'd like to say it just, you know, we had a strategy. Um, we really had a few things, but it was, it was just a, it was just a keep on going, man. Don't quit. Keep on going kind of deal. Yeah. Well, I'm curious going back to wanting to be a musician. Who, who, who were you wanting to be? Who was, who was your idol? You thought you might be like. Well, I, I'm a drummer and I grew up in the 80s, right? So all, all my Metallica. guys are dead or, or they're, they're brain damaged. But I had a, I had a great, uh, you know, I, I played jazz, I played fusion, but, you know, I was a rock and roller at heart. And I, I just came here really to, to just study and, and see what the industry was like here. I, I, I knew nothing about country music, but I knew there was kind of a cool music scene and yeah. uh, got into Belmont. It was not my grades. Uh, they got me into Belmont. So I just had an opportunity to learn a little bit. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, did music stay a part of your life or did it fall away? You know, yeah, in a sense, I, I play a little bit of piano. And so my wife and I got into leading worship in a church. And so we, we stayed pretty active and still stay pretty active, 
uh, in that front, but it took on a whole nother, a whole nother realm. And, um, and frankly, it was great, man. I, I found something that I really loved and, and now yeah. just something I enjoyed. Man, it's so similar to uh, an interview I actually did on my other podcast a few years back. I was talking to a guy who's the head of Google startups and he was the same thing. He, he always wanted to be a musician, uh, but life took him this way and he realized you could have multiple passions in life. Right. That he always thought years was one thing I'll be passionate about. And he's like, well, I found out I was and I wasn't passionate. You know, it had its time in my life and it morphed. And then he found himself really passionate about this business thing. And so you mentioned something similar. You fell in love with the business. What was it that started grabbing you that took you from part time, you know, almost like a, a holding period to something I think I want to keep investing in? You know, I, I think <clears throat> I, at the time I was going to school full time and I was working at UPS at night or, or in the afternoons, it varied. But, um, man, I, the longer I did that, the more I realized I just I hate being inside. I hate uh, this grind. And <clears throat> I thought if I'm going to do a part time gig, at least I'd rather work outside. And it was really getting out there and um, and just physically working. man. I, I really enjoyed it. And I was brought up in that culture of, hey, man, you either go to school or you're going to do manual labor your whole life as though that was a negative thing. And the reality right. for me was um, I really enjoyed doing that. And uh, I also enjoyed business. Um, I had the benefit of starting really, really small. And I think for me, that was key. I didn't jump into something like purchasing a company and, you know, already having uh, a large revenue stream and, and, uh, and developed expenses. I really was starting from just a base level, had no idea what I was doing and just kind of learned, Learned a little bit as I went, but I really think, you know, I, I joke and say it was the lack of options. <laughs> That's not altogether untrue, but but it was really that that uh, I really enjoyed it, man, and started learning that that maybe I could make a living doing this. Yeah, man, I can't help but thinking about Mike Rowe. Do you know Mike Rowe? Yeah. He, he did uh, dirty jobs and he, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, but I love just his influence. And he, he talks a lot about that as well, that like there was always a stigma like, you don't do this be careful you're gonna end up doing a job like this and he's like man i'm happy doing a job like this i like working with my hands plenty of people like you know this kind of work and um i i couldn't agree with it more you know even my business my partner talks about all the time we love partnering with with blue collar businesses yeah there's, there's something about the work ethic the humility the the no nonsense nature often uh, of the kinds of businesses that that that, that, that emerge out of that um but for what I'm, I'm really curious about for you is you have not just made some little local, I've got five guys working for me, cutting a few grasses, taking care of a few companies. You've built something really big. How in the world did it go from that and, and really rise to what it is today? Yeah. Wow, man. You know, it, it, part of it was I didn't tr have the traditional five year and the 10 year and, and, and all of that. And I, I'm a big proponent of that. I just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a lot of, quite frankly, it was a lot of survival. I'm a, I'm a Christian believer and, and that was a big, my faith was a big part of my, my, my work. I mean, it was, if I didn't feel like I was called to do this, um, I would have quit, you know, several times. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, we had the big flood in 10, but we also had other crises, you know, in the early two thousands and, uh, we started this thing in debt. So we never really had capital and we the, as the thing grew, we were growing out of debt. We we're paying the debt off, but at, you know, we never like just kind of plateaued where we could we could catch our breath for a few years. And uh, you know, 
honestly, it, it was just kind of figuring out what we do well mm. and then keep doing that. And there's so many people that do commercial landscape in this market and certainly in, in your market in Atlanta. Uh, we had to find kind of our niche. And as we did, it reflected a lot of my personality, um, which I mean, maybe that's good or bad. I don't know, but it, it, it definitely provided uh, something that was unique to us. And, uh, and man, it went well. I mean, it, it went over well. And so oh. we were able to do that. How long did it take you to feel like you identified what that niche was? Man, it, it was a while. I mean, I, I had to first get over the fact that, man, am I going to do this like as a career? You know, I yeah. had to really work through some of that, that stuff that growing up uh, kind of just with some misinformation, you know, that somehow this was kind of a, a JV kind of a, an approach to my career. And, yeah. and once I got through that, it was probably five years in, six years in uh, that the dollars kind of started to increase. It was like, man, that's a lot of money. I mean, we, we are bringing in some, some revenue. Yeah. And so it, 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 that probably legitimized it for me um, that, man, this is, this is respectable uh, revenue stream. Now, how do we keep some of it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the nicest uh, house on my block, runs the lawn care business yeah uh, he's, he's he services my house like it, it I've, I've learned it it can be it can be a really great business if you know what you're doing um i'm curious when you said it took you a while to figure out your niche i feel that uh, so many business owners feel that like you're in the right space you might even be doing a lot of the right things but you haven't really found your flavor yet or what separates you what's kind of sets you apart or, or makes your value proposition different when did you discover that and what was, what was the, what is the articulation of, of what you think really sets you guys apart? You know, we, we, we focused in on, on maintenance and we did some install and some higher end things with, with, uh, with a couple of different LAs, but the, the maintenance, I kind of started to really enjoy. It was that kind of reoccurring revenue, but it was also, I just enjoyed keeping things looking nice. And I think as we got into it and said, let's, what if we did this? What if we kind of shot for perfection? We wanted to have this look that was really distinct to green pastures. Mm. And and that really developed over a long period of time. But even now in this market, you you can oftentimes tell our properties apart. And it's just, it's little things. It's the way we cross stripe and we edge. And, but we have this like really kind of no tolerance for for the little things, you know, it was, you don't leave weeds in the bed. You don't spray them and walk off. You pull them. Uh, or you weeded them down, you spray. It was these little practical things, but how yeah. do we get that thing like really tight? But we do that every single time we're there. Um, and, you know, a lot of bigger profitable companies wouldn't have done that because it wouldn't have made the margins that they needed to make. My situation was a little different in that, I, you know, I just had to feed my family. And so we were able to do some work that was probably a lower margin than what might be acceptable to a bigger company. Um, but as time grew, man, the opportunities started to grow. And we got real involved in the HOA market. And with HOA, that, that in particular is one of those that the neighbors are looking at this one. And man, why doesn't our entrance look like that entrance? And, mm. and so that thing that we never necessarily understood that was going to kind of work like that, it really did. That aesthetically, man, our work looked really good. We spent the money, had our guys in uniforms, man, shirts tucked in, belts, the whole deal. Yeah. And, you know, we're all still funky landscapers, man. It wasn't that we were... Uh, looking great but we really were making the effort to to look professional and then yes. as i got into working with a lot of these guys i had guys from all way just kind of different uh 
different places in life and kind of got into this thing about respect and, and what that does for guys and ladies to, to, to begin to feel respected. And a lot of these guys that started with me never had really, hadn't really felt that before. Yeah. So we started talking about, you know, what if we cut grass really well? I mean, unfortunately, that's all we do. We're not doing brain surgery. But what if we cut grass really well? And what if we did maintenance better than everybody else? And, and at least that was the goal, you know. And what happened is these guys started to get a lot of momentum. And there are a lot of communities, some that I've had since 03, I'm thinking of one in particular. And, you know, that crew leader has been on it since 2003. I mean, when they call the office, they don't want to talk to me. Mm. Off that crew leader and so it was that that's just kind of how the the niche developed and and how we kind of slid into our way of doing things oh man i love that so you mentioned what if we cut grass really well and then you started as an example of you guys really taking the next going the kind of the extra mile right and really really achieving excellence in what you're doing and and i, I just i find that my thinking around purpose has evolved over time. I'm also a believer. I was in ministry for 10 years before doing what I'm doing now. And there was these assumptions you didn't know people were making that there were things that you would think were naturally full of purpose and meaning. And then other things that were boring or, you know, not full of purpose and meaning. And then I would meet people like you. My dad was the same. He ran a commercial roofing company and blue collar work, blue collar guys out there just putting roofs on, but he felt an immense sense of purpose and pride and the quality of work he did and his customer service and taking care of his employees. And that started to reshape how I think about what we could get passionate about. Right. And yeah. it sounds, it sounds similar to you that you're saying like, there's a sense of passion and pride that you can take in your work, even in small things like doing well by your clients, you know, really serving what they care about well. And, and I bet your guys and your girls pick up on that as well. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and they really took ownership of it. So, you know, what ended up happening is we, we end up, even though it may not have even been super intentional, we created this culture of kind of like, hey, perfection is the goal. Let's be perfect in our maintenance. And it was stupid little things that anybody could do it. But we just what if we really do this consistently? Um, and they started to, to buy in. And once they started buy in, the guys and ladies that would come in, that didn't want to work on that level they just they passed through you know they just didn't want to stay and we started to develop this guy, group of, of primarily um within our mo teams uh, of just really really hard-working great guys that had the culture and they just they, they didn't want to do anything but great work mm. and, and they loved the reward of the respect and they kind of had some swag and it was just it was fun you know and i think for me, I, I, as I started to get more and more into enjoying the culture, I love working with guys and ladies, but I, just that whole locker room environment and, yeah. and you know, winning and losing together and, and uh, um, doing setting out to do something that seems like it might be unattainable. It's such a big job. And, you know, and then we, we work through it and we get to the end and just you know, let these guys reflect on, dude, look at that, man. Yeah. We're doing this thing and, and look where we are now in the market. And it's a lot of fun. That that really drove me probably more than even the green industry is watching, as you were talking about with your dad, taking care of your employees and really, um, and, that, and then receiving. I mean, they took re really good care of me. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, man, I, have been with me since, oh, I've got 15 to 17 year, you know, veteran guys. We're all getting old, man. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a little different, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys stuck around for a long period of time. Man, it's bringing me back to those memories. Like I'm realizing now how much I paid attention as a kid to to dad and to his business and 
Like I still remember Mark. I still remember Juan. I still remember some of his people that had been there for 20 years that were his chief foreman or his whatever, you know? And then I remember the crazy stories <laughs> that he would have, you know, with that line of work every now and then you get, he's like, he came, I'm real upset, real stressed. Like dad, what's up? He's like, well, one of my guys apparently was on LSD or something. I, I saw him out my window running through the yard thinking aliens were firing at him. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, man. oh, so I'm sure you've got stories like that where you've got these really great ones and then these weeds pop up, you know, these, these people that you have a heart for, but just just yeah. keep making mistakes, right? So it makes me curious. What was the harder part for you, building the culture that you now have and love or maintaining it through growth? You know, probably building just from the standpoint of the, the length of time, because I didn't know I was doing it, that was part of it. I think it would be harder now. In fact, we own another small business that my wife is, is real involved in, and we're, we're working to build that culture. Well, now I know kind of what the goal is, and it feels more like work. Yeah. Time, it was just doing kind of what was in my heart to do. Let's do great work. And then, you know, a lot of guys either that maybe had had, had been in trouble with the law or, or, or just bad life choices and kind of coming into turning over a new leaf type of deal and enjoying watching them in their journey. So I didn't know really what we were doing, but that was, that was a harder deal uh, to build the culture, maintaining it. Um, it really, it just comes naturally. You know, I, we mm. now our, our management team is large and, and if, if probably my primary role is, is culture driving our culture. Um, yeah. And I just, I dig it, man. I just, I love the whole thing. I love, um, I, I love kind of that pursuit of excellence with, with a team. Yeah. So I, I, you know, that just seems like fun to be honest. Cool. What are some of the things you've learned over the years that are important levers for you to pull as you're focusing on culture? Oh, let me think a minute. Um, whether it's communication, whether it's care for people, whether it's celebrating yeah, I, certain things. Yeah. It, it communication, a lot of it, but, but, my thing was get out there and work with the guys, be side by side with them. It, it, it's a different gig. And, and they know that. And, and, and truthfully, they're better at it than I am, man. So it, I'm not helping anybody by staying on that weed eater all day long, but be there and be a yeah. part of mine jumping on and uh, getting dirty with the guys was a big part of it. Um, uh, and I think that kind of broke down some of those barriers um, maybe early on our last facility that we were in before this one had a big wall of kind of glass between our offices and our shop. And I always referred to that in our management meeting. I said, you know, it can't be us and them. Yeah. And you, you know, they can't see you in here. They got to see you out there. Um, and then we developed that, that kind of personal respect for each other, but uh, you're not going to get it. In my opinion, we're not going to get it by sitting in here uh, wearing loafers, bro. I mean, yeah. Yep. You know, Roots and whether you need them or not, you know, let's, yep. let's be part of this thing and remember where we came from and what it is that we do to make a living. So I think that That's was right. a big part of it. You know, guys, guys respected that. And for the most part, and, and it, it definitely kind of helped to, to keep that bond and that camaraderie and, and Hey, we, we all love working outside, dude. We could all be in a warehouse right now in a sweatshop and look at this, a beautiful day. We got cool. equipment, yeah. And this is life really isn't that bad. Yeah, man. There's, I was actually just telling, uh, the first interview I did today, uh, I asked her this question. I said, do you have, do you ever have a particular stress fantasy? Meaning when you're really stressed out about your job, you know, what, what you imagine yourself doing. And, uh, we both had the same answer virtually my, and mine's always been lawn care because 
in my mind, it represents, and I still, it's why I take care. I cut my grass every Saturday and do that stuff. Uh, even though it's an acre and a half and I've got three kids and whatever, there's something about all week I'm doing what feels intangible sometimes. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're working. I work with people all day, people development, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes I just want to see something that was a mess. That's no longer a mess. I get that. And sometimes I just want to be out and feel the breeze and all that kind of stuff. And you feel so good when you look at something you've made to look nice and you brought order to chaos. And it's like these, these things that like, I think that's where my brain goes when I'm feeling overly stressed is like, you need to get outside. You need to, you need to fire up the lawnmower. You need to like go bring some order to something you have some control over. Right. Uh, But there's even like a human connection, man, to like to nature and to making things beautiful and to, to bringing order to things, don't you think? Oh, I get that 100%, man, 100%. And I, I think because of the, 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 the times that we live in, so much of what we do is intangible. You know, yes. it wasn't that many generations ago. Everything was, you could see your, your the, the value of your work immediately. Yeah. yeah. Something, we call it, you know, the feel good, but it's the feel good. You know, you go do a job and you look back and you're like, wow, man, that looks great. And there's yeah. something that's very satisfying in that. But I'm with you, man, to be able to go into something and know that you have the tools and the ability uh, to turn that chaotic thing into something that looks pretty sharp. Yeah, uh, that's that's a very therapeutic, therapeutic thing. And I imagine for you and your guys being able to drive around town and see see the properties that you've worked on and, and, and feel that yeah. sense of pride of like that community is ours and look at it, you yeah, know, big time, man. big time. So cool. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge in building and scaling this business? Uh, probably the financing, you know, the capital mm-hmm. aspect of it. I, because we didn't come in uh, with capital, it, it felt like it was an ongoing grind. I mean, there, there, you know, I've got dude, dozens of stories of Thursday night sweating bullets. You know, how are we going to make payroll? Are we are we going to collect enough? And yeah, um, over the course of of, of you know, a couple of decades, man, it really took a toll on me. And ultimately I, I would get into this later, but sold the company or merged with the company in, in April of last year. Um, and it was a lot of that. It was just that as things grew, man, the financial responsibility, having started with no capital, uh, it was, it was a load, but, yeah. uh, but Hey man, we made it and, and God's been good to us through the whole deal and, and never, we never missed a meal, man. Wow. So we, we've been in good shape, but yeah, that was probably, if I had to pick out one thing, uh, just, just that struggle, not just the cash flow piece, but the capital uh, investment to not, to not be borrowed. Yeah. Where was the, what, what was eating up most of the capital? Is it, was it just in, in labor costs? Was it in buying new equipment and overhead and things like that? Yeah. Trucks and equipment, you know, obviously that's, that's the whole deal. I mean, that's where our money is. And then, uh, then that, that cash flow to just to operate. Um, it's one thing when you got 10 guys and then it's 25 and 50 and 80 and hundred and 150, you know, pretty soon the payroll, it just, the, the zeros keep getting bigger. And, yeah. yeah. Um, it, I really kind of grew it outside of what I could fund. Um, we were doing close to a million a month and man, if we had a bad month, you know, I didn't have the deep enough pockets to really, uh, float it. Go, right. Yeah. So, so that, that, that was, kind of that dichotomy that that we've we've fought for a long time um and and ultimately had i've had a partner you know i had opportunities through the years to bring on a more of a, a financial partner um and just for whatever reasons it, it just wasn't the time it wasn't what we we're supposed to do and so uh we didn't but definitely i've seen a lot of guys and ladies that have done that 
Um, and that's nice when you can bring somebody in to, to team up uh, and not have to Lone Ranger that thing. For sure. And so you said last year you guys did, did somewhat of a, a sell or a merger? We did. I, I have uh, been real good friends with the CEO of a large, it's the, one of the largest privately owned uh, landscape companies in the country. And we worked together on the H2B program, which is a seasonal worker deal. And he's on the board in Washington and um, really just kind of joked a little bit about, hey, man, if you're ever selling. And I said, bro, I'm in so much debt, man. You wouldn't want to buy this thing. And so we kind of that deal, you know, and yeah. and uh, April of, of 20, he said, man, I, we really want to take the plunge. And so we got serious about it and, and uh, put some numbers together. And, and, and I got to be a part of something. It's kind of neat. I never thought I would enjoy this. I thought I'd sell and run, you know, that was <laughs> right, right. Only know your, your baby now. <laughs> yeah. I only know one way to run it, man. And so, you know, I might not be, these guys are like freakishly intelligent, you know, CEOs and, and I, I felt very intimidated, but they were really super gracious and said, Hey man, don't change anything. Do what you're doing. And let's just back you with better systems. And so oh. I was telling somebody, I said, man, if I stay humble, the truth is I'm learning like tons more than I've ever learned since I've been in business. Mm. I'm having a really good time doing it. We subsequently have become the top company in their larger, uh, in their larger deal right here in Nashville. And so wow. uh, that's been a lot of fun, but it's been uh, to, to be able to focus on running this, running this company and not having to deal with, with constantly finding funding. Yeah. And, just awesome. I can imagine how much, how much, one, how much better you're sleeping, and two, probably how much better you're able to lead when you don't feel like your nose is just above water. That's right? it. Absolutely, man. How did you survive that long? Not just technically, how did you survive? I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. God has been good, and you guys have been able to have the, have the daily bread, right? That's but it, emotionally, how did you keep from quitting and, and kind of crumbling under that that month to month feeling of pressure? Uh, honestly, man, I mean, my faith, if, if that was it. If I hadn't had that, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time at the piano with the lights off and bawling my eyes out. You know, yeah. I mean, there was a I lot. Of, I had a deal with the IRS back in 03 that was really scary, you know, and, and it was just where we were. We were just cash strapped and got behind on taxes and it, all of those things, man. I, I, I really turned to my faith in, in a lot of that and, and found some refuge. Um, and then, you know. It's funny when when God does work things out in your life, and then you look back and you go. At a certain point, I'm kind of embarrassed to keep getting afraid because it's like that's right. <laughs> pretty good, you know. You think we're going to get this far, and then he goes, "Oh, I did. I forgot about that forty thousand dollar payroll, man. My bad." Yes, that never happened, and so uh, that was that was a big part of it. And uh, I've got an awesome wife and family, and and. Uh, you know, I'm pretty obsessive. And so just to, to at different times, get away and, and, and recalibrate uh, family and faith. That was, that was a big part of it. So good. Uh, well, we mentioned it some in the intro, but I want to hear the story from you. Tell me about the flood in 2010 and what happened and how you guys made it out of that. Yeah, man, it was a big deal here in Nashville. Um, and uh, it was, Gosh, I'm kind of losing the date, but it was it was right there at May 1st. Ironically, we had just adopted our youngest child and got back uh, in February. And then in, in May, this this thing devastates our, our company. All of our equipment's underwater. Our trucks were all ruined. 
Oh. And there was a there was just a whole lot of crazy that I thought was was unsurvivable. We were just it was a flash flood deal. We we our, our shop was on the banks of Mill Creek, which is a big creek here. It had flooded in '72, and the Corps came in and did all this work and. Nobody really thought it would flood again, but when it yeah. did, and it was waist high through our whole facility, blew the doors off, Whoa. vehicles at the front door, and it was that kind of deal. And so, man, I get kind of emotional, but I, I just, I have a group of guys that some of, of whom are still with me. And I remember we gathered up and, and it was kind of like, we're just looking at the wreckage and, and, you know, it'd be one thing if it was February or January, it was like May 1. And I said, you know what, guys, we've got like three days. And if we can get this equipment up and running in three days, I think we can salvage our accounts. But if it goes longer than that, this is going to be more of a kind of a salvage deal. Um, oh, that's right. Because summer is going to be yeah. when you guys are busiest, right? Yeah, we were dead on, man. I mean, we wow. just had a greenhouse full of plant material and flowers and all of it washed out. And so um, that was a huge time in my life personally. But, but, um, I gathered up the guys and I said, in that same conversation, I said, Hey, I'm a little concerned that I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay you right away. And I've never missed a payroll. Um, and I'm, I'm good for it, man. But I'm just a little bit concerned over the next couple of weeks and everybody seemed okay. And I got there the next morning, man, and nobody was there. Mm. And I thought, Oh, not good. Well, what I didn't know is they were all there 30 minutes early. And they got there at 530. And when I got there at six, they all come streaming out of the building. And they said, hey, man, we had a meeting and we decided we don't get paid until the company starts making money. What? Dude, I, I, I fell apart, man. And it was like, that's, that's the, the benefit of a culture of guys that have developed over time that know that, hey, when I say I care about you, I'm going to do everything I can. You know, if you're able, buy in. And I will tell you something. They never missed a paycheck. I mean, the money came in as it needed to come in. Um, it wasn't easy, you know. I signed my life away, and we <laughs> we, we borrowed a lot of money. We had, it was a million dollar loss. And, yeah. Uh, but this group of guys, that just is a testimony to, and 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 ladies too. Uh, it, it it's a testimony to a group that that just man, they just didn't have quit. I mean, it was like, no, we can do this. And one by one, man, we started dragging machines on the parking lot. Draining fluids, kind of going through like you dumped it in a lake kind of protocol. Yeah. And, uh, boy, they started firing up. And then we did two cycle. And a lot of that equipment ended up going down about six months later. But, <laughs> but, but it did. We, we, we did it yeah. yeah, It got us going, man. And uh, I'll never forget day four. Everybody shows up in, you know, street clothes and unmarked vehicles and trailers. And we're out cutting grass, man. And uh, it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was wow. just absolute uh just such a gift and so i don't want to relive that ever again but that was a really cool um, oh yeah cool thing and I, i'm glad to have been a part a, of it i mean what a testament to you and your leadership and i mean to them obviously but like it reminds me of who knows who said it first but the kind of common vernacular wisdom of uh when you step on everybody to get to the top there'll be no one to catch you when you fall and you will uh, fall yeah right and it's like, you will fall. Like there will be a moment of need a no, a moment of like, I need people to help me. And if you stepped on everybody, like if you got there at other people's expense and you didn't build trust and you didn't build loyalty and you didn't care for people, yeah. they would not have showed up for you then. Right. 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 And that's a lesson I want everyone listening to this is like, it's so easy, not in big ways. I was trying to screw anyone over, but 
but miss these small moments of investment and the people that are that are buying into our business that are are here and helping out and you just never know when a freaking moment like that's going to come and you need them to want to to have their own meeting and right. say we decided we're not getting paid till the company gets paid and we're gonna we're gonna dig ourselves out of this so what a beautiful story yeah it really is man and 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 you're right that, that's that's back to this whole thing of it's all the little things right it's all yeah. that building relationships and and uh and and you know imperfectly but building those relationships of course working hard to uh to have that mutual respect and connection yeah man again i resonate so much with just you and similar to my dad like how many sleepless nights he had where he could have easily just let someone go like that could have been the solution uh, he came to well i'll just i'll just fire so and so and so and so and then we'll, we'll be good on payroll and he just wouldn't do it yeah i mean he just wouldn't no matter what he had to do he was like these are my families they've committed to me we're gonna find a way to pay them and i mean eventually when he shut down the business was just it literally couldn't sustain it anymore he had a great 90s uh but then in the 08 era when everything tanked especially in commercial construction there was just no work to be had and he basically for a year paid everyone out of his own pocket until there was just no light at the end of the tunnel and he luckily had built smart and wise and whatever that he's like i can just retire um but like that was the thing that was weighing him down wasn't him it was like, man, these guys have been depending on me for work for 20 years. And so then he went about his next job after selling everything was meeting with everybody. What do you want to do? Who do you want to know? Do I need to, is there another company you want me to connect you with? Like, I'm not, I want to help you out here, you know? And you just, you just remind me so much of him and that just, just that, I mean, it's a, it is, it's our faith, you know, but just a, a, a different way of, of living your life where. Yeah. I want to serve people. I want, I want to, I want to take care of people and not just look out for, for number one. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I know, dude. And you get it. I mean, the reward, there's a it's big unbelievable. That. That, and that's the thing, man, that, you, that, that really keeps things. I mean, it gives me goosebumps because it's like that reward is, is what keeps me going. I love that stuff. And, yeah. and I'm a relational guy anyway, but I, I, I just, I love that. I love those stories about your dad and, and, I get it. And, and, and unfortunately, I think we're losing that up to, on some level um, just because it's not um, it's not the hot thing. There aren't a whole lot of books out right. there. That. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's also not quick, you know? Yeah. Hey, do this. And in 25 years, you're going to have something really not, you know, I mean, nobody <laughs> right, right. That but, but yeah. the reward is the part that never is really, you can't really, you don't really get that until you're in the middle of it. That's right. Uh, uh, having a group of people around you that you, you love each other and respect each other. And, um, and, and, you know, everybody's got their ups and downs, but, but that's a, that's a fun deal, man. Absolutely. It's, it's the difference in getting to the top and enjoying it and not enjoying it, whatever the top is, like yeah. whatever, whatever would be seen as success. If you get there alone and you have no quality relationships and you don't feel like your life had purpose or impact, quantifiably people report that they're miserable. It's not like my opinion on them. Like they'll just tell you I'm miserable. Yet you have other people, whether they make it or not, if they get there or not, but they have quality relationships, they feel like their life has purpose, they're pretty dang satisfied. You know what I mean? Uh, So I'm on, you know, where where my my thinking has evolved over time is the more I learn to be successful, the more I learn to grow, the more I can give. And so, you know, like I said, I was a pastor for years, love pastors, want them to, to keep doing that. But I felt this honestly, like a legacy from my dad. I haven't shared this on the podcast yet, but kind of a legacy from my dad that you could go out there and you could use your skills and you could make a great living and you could use that to be of benefit. I mean, 
I don't know how he's probably supported 30 missionaries or something like that, you know, like providing jobs for people just like you're doing. And it was like, okay, some people are going to go this route. I feel called to go this route where I want to be successful, but for a certain reason, how it affects my family, how it affects the families that we're serving and, and things like that, you know, but it brought, it brought it to a different way of approaching it than just success for success sake, right? Money for money's sake, that kind of thing. Um, sounds like what you're doing, which again, it's almost like the Chick-fil-A way where it's like in this weird way, it sets you apart from all your competitors that, that extra level of care, that extra level of intentionality and all those kinds of things, just, they add up. They do, man. And it sounds kind of goofy. I mean, it really sounds a little cheesy that, you know, it's the little things and we, 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 we do this. They're so basic that anybody could do them, but yeah. you're right. And they do add up and yeah. they add up one way or the other. If you do them poorly, they add up. Yep. Right. And you develop yep. something that's really bad and, and negative. And we've, we've watched competitors come in here and, and kind of have a different approach. And I wouldn't trade places with them, man, 20 years. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a fruit to both ways. And, and uh, yeah, I love that, man. I love, uh, love the story. I love kind of where your dad came from. And that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. stuff. Well, you guys, again, you guys remind me a lot of, of, of kind of Chick-fil-A in a sense, where what's the difference between a bunch of people that have all similar kinds of food, like I like a lot of I like a lot of their, their competitors' food, but I'll tell you this: when my wife was going through uh, real estate classes at night, and I had three young kids and I had to feed them, I went to Chick Fil A, and the reason yeah. I went there was because when I walked in, they saw me, and said, "Hey, you can skip the line. Just go sit down. We'll take your order, Dad. We know you got a lot on your hands." And wow. I was I was my mind was blown, and they'd come by regularly and give toys to the kids, and I was like, "I don't care if my kids would prefer another place. We're coming here, right?" Yeah. And that's, I guarantee you, wow. that's wow. why people are picking your company, yeah. right? Because interacting with you is different because they see the level of care that you guys provide for their yard or for their community or for their business. And that you're probably quality guys. You're not screwing them over. You're right. not, you're not over quoting them on something and siphoning money out. Like you cannot overlook the long haul wisdom of building that kind of business. Yeah, no, dude, hundred percent. I'm with you. And you know, even when you make the mistakes, and we preach this to our to our big group. You have an opportunity when you make a mistake, whether it's something like you you, you ran a mower into something and tore something up, and that that kind of orphan mentality, like we're going to just act like it didn't happen and you know get in the truck. Well, right. that how's that going to end? Probably not. Right. Yeah. You had this opportunity of well, what if you proactively went up and talked to the homeowner, not necessarily that guy, but us as a company, apologize, make it right. More often than not, the relationship that we have with them is stronger after 100%. the negative incident because of the way it was handled. It goes the same way when you're talking about money. Sometimes you do overquote yeah. uh, or, or sometimes you get into something that, that you really need to do the right thing and, 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 you know, work on a bill or something that you feel like that labor got run up because I had a guy there that was, he wasn't trying, you know, and, and, and he was killing the plot. Those little things too, and going back to that customer and being able to talk about it. I just had a conversation with somebody today. And I said, "You got to have trust in our irrigation in our irrigation side. Uh, you know, you got to have trust that if the guy comes out there and says you've got three rotors that are bad, that he's not he's not lying to you." And mm. we're definitely into the trust, but verify. Yes, but yes. Verify long enough, they begin to trust. Um, yeah. Well, then there's a sense of responsibility that, hey, man. Error to the side of, of underbilling. Don't don't ruin that because that is a valuable deal. And, it, and it's paid off really big time for us, especially it, it, the irrigation department, just because we sell it's so many of those little items and, and a lot of ancillary kind of uh, revenue. But yeah, a, a, absolutely. man. 
Man, it makes me think of uh, – have you ever heard of a guy named Jordan Peterson? Uh, no, I, I don't know. He's a little bit of a lightning rod right now, but everybody is. But he was a, a clinical psychologist uh, for years seeing patients, and then he was a professor. And anyways, he, I think he speaks a lot of truth and a lot of wisdom. But one of the things I saw him say once is in his, in his 20 years of practice meeting with patients, right, he said, I've never seen someone get away with something. <laughs> and he said, think about that. He goes, I, in 20 years of meeting with people, I've never seen someone in the end truly get away with something. Wow. Whatever we do comes to light. And he said, they'll tell me my life's falling apart. Okay, when did it start? Well, it started here. He's like, well, what happened before that? What happened before that? And usually it'll back up to something they thought they had gotten away with that set a cascade kind of, of effect in motion, right? And I'm like, that's profound. That, it's so profound. And then you think about the opposite of a mistake that you willingly choose to go and make right and basically call yourself out on and say, hey, just so you know, we ran into that and we're going to make it right. It has this inherent trust building with somebody. Not every time. There's always going to be the time that they lose their mind on you and you've lost their business. But I guarantee you over the long haul, the cascading effect of making decisions like that is you're going to have something positive at the end of that chain instead of something negative at the end of that chain because no one gets away with anything. Especially yeah. now in the modern world with social media and video cameras and secret recording devices or whatever. It's like no one's getting away with anything. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that profound? That is incredibly profound. In fact, I may I may steal that for our, our group. Take it. I stole it from him. Yeah, okay. You stole it fair and square. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Definitely. That's right. I, I, and, and I love that because that's that's the case. And whether you know whether you get caught now or later, you know, eventually it, it something comes to light. Yep. Uh, when, when you tore something up and walked away from it or, or, or did the wrong thing. And I've yeah. done the wrong thing, man. You know, Hey, I didn't, learn, I didn't learn this stuff by doing everything right. But yeah. uh, when the reason I resonate with that is that I've had stuff in my life that I didn't own up to that caught up with me. Yeah. And what I found was I paid more for it in the end, the longer that gap was. Yeah. So the yeah. longer, the longer you go between mistake and reconciliation, the yeah. cost like interest just keeps compounding. Wow. And you're like, dang, if I had paid that up front, it would have been like 20 bucks, but I paid it 10 years later, five years later, and it was $2,000, you know? And it's like, it's even just economical to do the right thing. And I know it shouldn't be the reason why we do it, but it's economical yeah. just to say, hey, I messed up. Let's get this squared away as fast as possible. I'll own it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love it. Even now, man, I mean, I'm pulling my car from the dealership right now because a friend of mine said, I've got a mechanic I, I know and trust. Call him. Trust and verify. I call him. He's like, they did what? They're, they're charging you what? And he's like, bring it to me. So I'm literally pulling it from them. He's coming to my house and it's going to be like half the price of what they were charging me at this dealership. Wow. I'm like, I'm never going there again. He's going to be my guy. Right. I have his name saved in my phone. He's going to be my guy that I take all my car problems to. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I, now yeah. he'll have a lifelong customer in me. Yeah. And how much marketing did he have to spend for that? Nothing. None. Nothing. Just literally the, my friend has done the same thing. And it was like, as soon as he heard I was taking it somewhere, he's like, you need to call this guy. Right. He, he's who I take my, my wife's car, my car to every time. Uh, hey, this has been so fun, man. Thank you. I've, I've Thank you for opening up. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing the real part of your story too. I mean, uh, I've gained so much from that and it's really cool to see the season that you're stepping into um, this new transition. I think it's going to be, you're, you're, you're going to be reaping a lot of, a lot of uh, things you've been sowing for years. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that a lot. And I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to, to talk for a minute. For sure. Well, now we're going to do our lightning round question. All right? all right. So 
First thing that comes to mind, no need to overthink it. Question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? Don't quit. Yeah, come on. Why does that come to mind first, you think? Uh, it, it's been, it's, it's the only reason we made it, man. You know, get over that finish line one way or the other, walk, crawl, roll. Yeah. Uh, don't quit because you only lose when you quit. And yeah. uh, if you can show up again, um, you, you, it's going to change. It's going to get better. But if you quit, you never get to see that. Uh, you never get to see that resolve or that, that, uh, that victory. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. I heard, uh, I heard this pastor say the other day, if you can look up, you can get up. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I like that. If I, even if you're flat on your back, if you can look up, you can get up. Uh, Number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst? Uh, what, what immediately comes to mind is that a guy told me, I was worried about financial stuff. And he said, Hey, quantify the problem. Don't mm. just let the problem feel so big, man. I mean, okay. Do you have a thousand dollar problem? Do you have a hundred thousand dollar problem? Okay. Well, you don't have a million dollar problem, right? <laughs> quantify the problem. So you, the crazies don't kick in and just make this thing like, Oh my gosh, uh, you know, I've got federal debt kind of stuff. No, no, I got a million dollar problem and yeah. that's not good, but at least it's not a $10 million problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's the other part of that? Worst advice? Worst ever? advice. Yeah. Jeez, man. And it doesn't have to be personal to you. It could just be advice you've heard floating around about business that oh, you just don't see. Kind it of a saying, and I, I can't remember who I stole this from. I, I think it was in a book, but it was in the soil of a quick fix lie the seed of a future problem. Mm. And I think, you know, that, that whole deal of anything that was like, just slap it together, make it work. Uh, we're going to be working on that again later. Yeah. So, so maybe that's, along those lines yeah oh i love that great saying number three what causes you the most stress or worry currently leading your organization you know i've had such a life change man but, but prior to it, it it was it was a cash crisis you know that yeah. was that caused me the most worry that i couldn't make payroll um and that's that's that scared me that really bothered me a lot yeah um but yeah, that's that's top of the list. And frankly, now that I'm not in charge of that and we feel pretty secure in payroll, uh, you know, what causes me the most stress is, is not having a culture change, making sure that, hey, don't don't get cozy and don't get yeah. comfortable with now we got a nice bonus and you got these different things. Stay hungry, man, because yeah. that's not number one. Yeah. Oh, I like that. All right. Number four. What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for the company? Oh, man, this is going to sound so lame. I wish I had a cooler thing. <laughs> it, it, ultimately, man, I want to do exactly what we're doing and continue to, t to just take this thing up a notch. You know, I want to mm -hmm. see us to grow, not just in this market, but multiply, but, but do it the same way. It's that Chick-fil-A deal, right? Yep, uh, yep. Let's, let's stay so committed to the way we do business uh, and, and just continue to do it on a larger level because it, as it picks up momentum, it gets easier to grow. Mm. Uh, but it also gets easier to screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's probably it. Absolutely. Yeah. We were talking to, uh, uh, was he on this podcast? Yes, I think he was. Uh, this guy started this awesome, uh, restaurant chain here in Atlanta and we were meeting with him afterwards talking about some stuff and his greatest, his greatest stress was, uh, how do I scale soul? 
and he's like, we have such great soul in our culture, like that, that embodies who we are. And yeah. they're starting to expand markets. And he's like, that's the thing keeping me up at night is I want to figure out how we scale the soul of who we are into yeah. what we're doing and not just the business model, you know? Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Similar to you guys. Yeah. All right. Number five, if you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window, when would you go back? And what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Oh my gosh, man, that's a deep question. I know this is our fun, creative question. You can literally take it however you want. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I, and I don't know if I'm taking it the right way or not, but I, I would, I would tell myself to enjoy the journey a little bit more. If I could go back knowing that, Hey man, it's going to, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a great ride. Be sure you enjoy it. Um, because yeah. what happens is, man, this gray hair kicks in and you're 50 all of a sudden. And it's like, yeah, man, it, that was some cool stuff that we went through. But in the time I, I was, I was pretty pent up and, and freaked out. And, and so it would be that, you know, it would be yeah. work hard. Uh, but, but take some time to enjoy, you know, healthy, enjoy, uh, enjoy the ride. Yeah. So good. Well, wow, What a beautiful note to end on David. This has been inspiring, man. You've got me on the edge of my seat today. Uh, I'm so inspired by you, by your perseverance, uh, your not quit attitude, your commitment to your values, to doing business the right way. Uh, and it's fun to see that pay off. Like I knew it would, right? Like nothing is, nothing goes, uh, nothing is really hidden and it's coming to light. And, uh, man, thank you for making time to be on here today. I feel like we even have you on at the right time. It's fun to be able to celebrate this season of the success, success for you. Good deal. Well, Drew, thank you, buddy. It's an honor and I appreciate you inviting me. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.